I have so many questions, you guys. I don't even have thoughts, really. I just have questions. Grab one and write it! Welcome to Vassals of Kingsgrave, broadcast joint review for Eastwatch and Beyond the Wall, episodes 5 and 6 of season 7, Game of Thrones. My name is Glenn Dagos Rivers from the podcast Vice and Fire Forums, and I am joined by Hannah. Hey, it's Shadow Baby on the forums. And also Sarah. Hey, it's Dr. Blood on the forums. So, quite a lot of questions you had, Sarah, so let's get to that. <laughs> I mean, they're they're kind of all the way through. I um, some of it is, is sort of what were they thinking, and some of it is just stuff that I feel like I missed. Like we were talking about in the second episode, like were both dragons killed, or like what the hell happened to to Rhaegar? Like, well, Rhaegar, just, right? Yeah, I know. Yeah, I God, think that was pissing me off. I just thought that because I was on the train to work one day. This was a few days ago. And people were talking about, you know, because the, the episode was leaked online. Mm-mm. So they were talking about it. And I overheard someone say that two of the dragons died. So I think that's why I had it stuck in my head that, you know, both dragons had died. Also because I was watching on on my phone on the way home <laughs> as well. Um, So as, like, as in on the Monday night, I was watching on my phone most of the episodes. So really bad quality, small screen phones. So... That's why I thought both dragons had died. Well, he and just kind of, yeah, he just disappeared, didn't he? Yeah. So yeah, weird. well, they, I mean, talk about the rug budget. <laughs> they had like a million rugs. So they just couldn't afford to have him in there for the last 10 minutes. Yeah, I guess. Maybe he was just like, oh, shit, ice spears, I'm out. Yeah, I mean, kind of, right? He was like, oh, no, and just ran. Like, I mean, I guess. <laughs> okay, maybe. bye. Yeah, right? Or maybe she was, like, in her mind control with him was, like, get out of here. Get the fuck out. Yeah, maybe. That may very well be. And then um, they just didn't feel like showing it again. Yeah, maybe. And do you know when you have this, when you're watching a movie or you're watching a TV show and two characters are talking to each other? And then you miss you miss maybe a line or two, so you go back to listen again, but then you still can't hear it, and then you have yeah. to keep going back and back again to listen to it. I had that same feeling with um, Santa and Arya. There was this one point where, like, ten minutes into the episode, Santa says something like, "You wouldn't know what it was like to be me," and I couldn't yeah. understand what she was saying, so I went back like five times and I still couldn't get it. We watch it with the subtitles on for that exact Mm. (laughs) reason the first time around. I think just because I was watching on my phone as well, so Mm. audio wasn't as good, so I could hear it a bit better when I was watching it on later that night. Or maybe the fact that that whole fucking scene made no goddamn (laughs) sense to the narrative and was an absolute piece of shit. Like, I'm more furious about that than anything. I'm still holding out hope that they have some kind of... Secret deal. Yeah, I don't know. I I mean, the problem, or at least my problem with the exchanges that have developed between Sansa and Arya started actually in Eastwatch. And it just feels like 
as much as I was so excited about the nuances that they were building in and the sort of greater sense of maturity where violence wasn't always the answer, I feel like they they reverted almost like a 180 back to her being very impulsive and very young. And I, I feel like now that she's back with Sansa, like they're really over relying on like, oh, well, she's really young. And of course, she's jumping to conclusions. And of course, she's, you know, and so they're sort of taking that as like an easy way out almost. And it's just so frustrating because it's so contrary to the kind of maturation that they gave us hope for in the earlier episodes. Yeah, I, I popped on Dragon Cast with them for like a hot minute just because I was so worked up. <laughs> I had to get it out. Um, and I, so I said this on Dragon Cast if anyone's listening to both, but. They're forcing fucking conflicts Mm -hmm. and they don't, they, there are enough conflicts. There are enough dramatic storylines. You can let one pass. Like you can let a fucking dick joke go by (laughs) without putting like a highlighting over it. I felt the same when I was just thinking about it, that the earlier episodes, Arya was just, it seemed like she had, you know, she was avoiding, you know, murdering everyone she looked at Mm -hmm. and, there was a bit more maturity, as you said, Sarah. So then for her to, and plus, even though she did acknowledge that she wasn't the biggest fan of Sansa and they didn't get on, you know, they still loved each other as as sisters. So then this just seemed like out of the blue, this whole thing Mm -hmm. (laughs) that happened this episode. And it was the fact that it was her kind of watching, because I thought the way that Maisie Williams played her expression as she was watching Sansa in Eastwatch talking to the Northern Lords, sort of expressing their their consternations. I questioned whether it was a, like a relief that Sansa seemed to be able to handle herself or, or maybe a kind of almost like an admiration of like, wow, she's not as feckless as she was when I knew her before. And then the, the follow-up conversation was so devastating for me because I, I really saw things maybe that just that I wanted to see in her facial expressions as she was watching that were so much more sophisticated or so much more sort of nuanced than, oh, you want John's throne. Oh, you're just trying to take over from John. Why aren't you, why aren't you just beheading them for like talking shit about him? And I just, oh, it's such a, such a childish thing for as much as she's gone through and particularly the training that she's had for for nuance and subtlety and and body language and perception and i don't know it's just really frustrating that they've flattened her so hard so fast welcome jock so what are your thoughts towards sarah and santa doesn't really make much sense in any form well since santa threw down the gauntlet and said you know basically that she's had a harder life than Arya, which is debatable <laughs> let's reminds the viewers just some of the atrocities by both so i've written down a few things like sansa so held hostage by the lannisters mm-hmm. almost raped by the king's landing mob tortured by joffrey forced to marry Tyrion, dreams of marrying sir loris destroyed almost thrown out the moon door by liza aaron forced to marry ramsay bolton and suffered abuse in many forms, and then jumped for a, from a very high height. So it still confuses me to this day how her and Fionn survived that. Yeah, That's just a picture of Sansa in the red corner, and then in the blue <laughs> corner you've got Arya. So she's been on the run from the Lannisters. She's never really seemed to have a home, except briefly when she was in the House of the Undying. But aside from that, she's always travelling from place to place on the roads, you know, camping out. She's never had like much. How's shelter. the black and white? 
it, that's it, House of Black, Black and White. But aside from that, she's not really had much shelter. It's really just been traveling from place to place. Um, she's well, yeah, lost... I mean, she almost starved to death after she was on the run. Precisely. She's and lost her sight. Just getting there, though, she had to kill a kid. Mm-hmm. She had to kill another boy to even get out of the Red Key. And that that is both book and show. Oh, I completely forgot about that. Yeah. See, like, that's fucked up there. She watched her dad die, too, so they're even there. Mm-hmm. I feel like she has witnessed a lot more and also inflicted a lot more atrocities. But Sansa has personally experienced, like, she's had much more of a, a victimization arc, I think, than Arya, particularly on the show. Like, that's... <laughs> Um, I don't know if the Dragon Cast episode is out yet, and I think it was McCall that made a good point of, like, let's not compare whose tragedies were worse, because that's immeasurable, right? Like, That's true. I mean, I don't think... I've had bad things happen in my life, but I could always say, like, well, there's some kids starving in Africa, and I've never had to starve, so... I don't think the comparison is necessarily to say one was worse than the other, but I do think that experientially and in terms of shaping influence, Arya seeing what people are capable of versus Sansa actually, I guess, feeling what people are capable of does seem that it would be a very different takeaway from those experiences. You know what I mean? Like, Yeah, I, like rather than comparing who had it worse, it's mm-hmm. more like, how, well, how did they have it? Like Arya has been exposed to a lot more violence, mm-hmm. whereas Sansa has had some violent crimes committed against her, but mostly psychological traumas. I think I read a great point maybe on the Westeros forums, or maybe I, I listened to it on a podcast, and they said that if you switch positions, then neither would be be able to handle what the other went through. I like, totally agree. Sansa, right. you know. yeah. yeah, and I think that's probably like the, more the point that should be being made is like, I survived how I could and had to, and mm-hmm. you survived how you could and had to. But Sansa would never have gotten out of that stable. And I, I don't think Arya ever and, would have survived the Lannisters, if only because... Yeah. She would have kept, you know, trying to run away or you right. know, she would have punched Joffrey in the face and they would have had her executed. You know what I mean? Like that she would never well, have really, been able the only to. Reason, the only reason she did is because Yorin pulls her down off that statue. Mm-hmm. She was going to run over there. That's the only reason she ever got out at all. Yeah. And I, I just I mean, I think that the the frustration that she began to express towards Sansa and Eastwatch in that first confrontation that they had, there was still potential for a meeting of the minds or at least a kind of a mutual respect and you know kind of empathy that they that they could have had in that moment and instead it it almost became a game of kind of one-upsmanship right where there was a there was a competition to it that became um you know sort of pushed them further apart which again just feels like a cheap i don't know it just it felt cheap to me and it got worse in in uh beyond the wall but um so Sarah, do you feel like they're maybe playing their own game for Littlefinger's benefit and they're being like guided by Bran? Is that? I really would like to believe that um, just because they're both fumbling so hard at things that they've already established, things that the show have, has already established that they're good at, right? Like 
Sansa has gotten really good at reading people and kind of thinking from their perspective. And we've had it, you know, driven home so many times that she doesn't trust Littlefinger and she doesn't respect him anymore. And she hates him for what he did with Ramsay and, um, you know, the, the kind of burns that she was giving him at the beginning of the season. And now for her to be in a spot and immediately call on him as her most trusted counselor, like, <laughs> Yeah. I don't know. I, I hope, I really hope that it, it isn't just, you know, character floundering to serve narrative beats and, and that there is some, some more subtlety to it, but I am not, I'm not a hundred percent confident I, I at this point, but <laughs> yeah, like, I don't, um, I, I feel like they're sitting in the writer's room and somebody throws something out and Dan and Dave are like, yeah, whatever you want, go, go for it. Just make sure those dragons look cool. Yeah. <laughs> we're we're gonna work on the battle. You do whatever you want. Like I just I don't know. Like I just I really wanna yeah, I really wanna have faith that they're gonna serve these these people. I'm because they are I mean, we've been saying this over and over again this season, I think, on all of the all of the various casts, but this is such a, a series and such a um a fandom about the characters, right? And to to have that just skid so hard into disaster in the in the last couple seasons would be a huge disappointment. Um, you know, the spectacle mm-hmm. notwithstanding, like I'm obviously really enjoying that, but those those still quiet moments of doubt and and empathy and connection and things like that that we had at the beginning where we saw Danny growing into her own confidence or we saw um you know, any number of characters kind of reconsidering who they were or what they were about based on their experiences with other characters. I feel like those are just being stripped away um, at this, this is kind of breakneck pace at this point. And it's, I don't know, I'm still, I'm still hoping, but. <laughs> How are we so, feeling about John and Daenerys? Oh God. I, I was really disappointed I was... in Eastwatch that she didn't seem to even register what had happened in the loot train battle or whatever terrible name they're giving it. But that she was just like, yup, we burned a bunch of people. What? <laughs> you know what I mean? But there was no, there was no like introspection or I don't know. It, it, I think, I think we were saying last time that like she's become even more so than some of the other characters. Like she's become this almost caricature of herself. And I, I, I feel like losing um, Viserion, like to skip way ahead, I feel like they, they've woven some nuance back into her, which I appreciate. But, but in that, yeah, that battle the, aftermath scene was hard. <laughs> I'm gonna let you guess. Yeah. Do we do we know for sure it was Viserion that was killed? Yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's confirmed. Yeah. Oh, well, right. and I think I do think that this is something that we will see in the book, and I think the poetry in it will be stupidly end up being like, oh, John rides one, and he's Rhaegar's son, so mm. he'll ride Rhaegar. Yeah. Less than Actually, next. speaking of speaking of poetry, I have written down something, and it was about Gendry, and <laughs> something that sort of threw me about the whole thing is like it seemed like Gendry and John were best friends now. <laughs> in, so weird. Right? In the last episode, and it's like you've only known them for like I don't know a week or so <laughs> that you've been traveling, and then it's sort of poetic well, and ironic at the same time because. Robert killed John's father, Rhaegar, but then Robert was best friends with, you know, Ned Stark. Yeah. I, I, it, I guess John just really wanted a bastard buddy. Like, he's never met another mm-hmm. bastard. Is that true? Um, hmm. No. <laughs> that's not true. No, that's well, I mean, true. Another, there's plenty of bastards at the wall. But, like, there's another highborn. everywhere. Like, another last Well, he name. met Ramsay. Uh, mm-hmm. That's true. <laughs> Yeah, 
Well, they, I mean, they had their differences though. So I feel like they weren't going <laughs> to, <laughs> you know? um, on that, on that same thread, I guess, what did we think about John petting Drogon in Eastwatch? I was more upset that when Tyrion was like chasing her off the cliff, I was like, grab one and ride it. Grab one and ride uh, it. <laughs> oh, in, in, uh, beyond the wall. He's like, don't go Daenerys. And she's like, I'm tired of listening to you. Yeah. They all jump off the cliff and he's like chasing after her. I don't think I would have stood so close to the edge of the cliff with big old wings flying past me like that. Like I would have, I don't know. I feel like they could have clipped him. I wanted easily. him to jump he's off like, and oh, ride no. one. On a, on a serious note, Tyrion seems useless at this job as Hand of the Queen, don't you think? Yes, totally. <laughs> yeah. What has he actually done? <laughs> that I mean, she's always like, so annoyed with him and like oh what's the point in you and it's like why doesn't she ever just like say i don't know what the process would be of like firing a hand and getting a new one i mean i feel like it would be as simple as saying give me your pin back <laughs> I'm, gonna, mm. I'm gonna pin somebody else um and they hung a lantern on that too right that kind of useless counselorhood in Eastwatch when he has that conversation with bears and bears like you have to get her to listen and then the next attempt that we see is just one big protracted fail, right? Like his first approach is to talk to her about the succession, which clearly like pissed her off to no end. And then he's just kind of like chasing after her and shouting as she's getting on the dragon. And like, it's it just, I mean, he did exactly the opposite of what Varys essentially said he had to do in order to, to survive or like to help her survive. And we're kind of like, well, that was a nice thought, but. Yeah, God. Does everyone... Does anyone still think that Daenerys could have children? I think so. Yeah, me too. Me too. I mean, especially In the because book, yeah. Well, yeah, because the Mary Mazdor thing everybody always assumes is about, everybody always remembers as being about when she's going to have children, but her having children is one of the preconditions that Mary Mazdor gives her for Drogo coming back. So it's not. It's just like an impossible thing. But is it really, or is it? You know. <coughs> Well, isn't it that once she's gone in the right direction, then she can have children? When the sun rises in the west and sets in the east, when... The mountains blow in the wind. Yeah, and when you, like, bear a living... Yeah, when your womb, when your womb quickens, quickens and you with a living, living child, child or something. Yeah, but those are, like, the three... Only then. It's either a really fancy way of her saying, like, fuck you, never, or it's, <laughs> <laughs> you know, a, a kind of... <laughs> But then, I mean, maybe we get, you know, because I don't know, maybe and... John and John and Daenerys get together, you know, and have a another prince <laughs> that was promised. Yeah, well, because there's that whole thing about um, Jorah saying keep Longclaw and give it to your children, and John had this like really weird look on his face, and you're like, you know, you can make children that aren't bastards, right? Like that's <laughs> that's a that's a thing that happens sometimes. <laughs> well, how how do you think Jorah will feel when he realizes that Daenerys and John have googly eyes for each other? Oh my god, <laughs> Jorah, like because I... it, it's like Jorah's father loved John more than he did him, and they. Daenerys does as well. Yeah. Yeah, here you go. When the sun rises in the west and sets in the east, said Mary Mazdor. When the seas go dry and the mountains blow and the wind like leaves, when your womb quickens again and you bear a living child, then he will return and not before. But that's the fucking books. Apparently. Didn't wasn't it the same blame in the I show? Think, I think so. Yeah, I think she said the same thing to her. Okay, well that brings up a really good point for me. I mentioned this on um, also on Dragoncast, so I'm watching with my friend Sue. Hi, She's Sue. Like, Hi, Sue. 
<laughs> so um, we're watching and like, you know, they're up on beyond the wall and that bear attacks and she goes, okay, well, that's all they need, right? They're going to go home now. I'm like, what are you talking about? And she's like, they just need a white, right? Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, well, that guy just died. And she goes, yeah, just like those guys that they brought to Castle Black, they didn't turn into whites until after they were like there already. Yeah. And I was like, hmm, great point. So we actually paused the show and talked about it for a while. But it's like, what are the rules? Yeah, because they, they've made it things. like at Hard Home. I think that they did a little bit of a course correction and suggested that the Night's King had to be directly involved. With, or like when he picks up his hand as he's staring at John and everyone stands but yeah before i mean like early early it was just and as as asha talked about it too right like people started coming back and so we had to burn them before they yeah see and but like they had to pull the dragon out of the water with some rando fucking chain that they magically got (laughs) i saw somebody said that came from hard home depot which made me laugh really hard (laughs) Yeah, what I mean, what was that? Like, was that probably some shit that they used to build the wall? And, like, the Night King, like, did a little snidely whiplash and snuck in to their construction site and stole. Like, I'll need this in a couple thousand years. It would have been cool if they had been ice chains. Like, if they had been... Yeah, that would have made more sense, right? Mm -hmm. Did I know if you see that coming? lifted up his hand and, like, the dragon popped out of the lake. Like, continuity, people. Do we see the ice dragon coming? Yes. Oh, Yeah. Yeah, totally. I did. Oh, when he, no, well, I, I, it was a surprise for me. Oh, I think it's just a logical like narrative conclusion, even in the books, because, um, you know, George already wrote about that before he even started writing Game of Thrones. So I know that he had the idea for something like that. And it does raise the stakes. So if she ever takes her dragons up beyond the wall or to them, like in the books, I think we will see something extremely similar where it will be Viserys is the one that will fall and he will be raised as a white and it will, it'll, it'll make the conflict there less one-sided with her. And and then as far as this season goes, I'm calling this for next week. Um, especially because I think it was Adam was telling me, talking about how the guy that wrote all the languages for the show, <laughs> Dothraki and Valyrian and Bravosi, when they originally signed him on, like first season, they had him create, um, like White Walker language, like ice language, oh, and then never yeah. used it. And there was like some blip or interview with the guy. I think, yeah, I think it was Adam, and I think he was talking about it being like at Ice and FireCon, and like totally forgive me if I'm wrong, but, um, where he was saying like, well, then they kind of came back to that idea. So I think like they also made it a really point in this episode to have the screeching of the whites and the white walkers. I think what they're going to do is get that um, ice Viserion to screech at the wall and it will crack. And that'll be like the last. Interesting. I think that's Mm going to be literally the last shot of the season is like a crack going up in it. And then boom. I suspect or I think possibly that he's not a white. He's a white walker dragon. So that's the difference with the touch then? I think so. Because like we saw that with Aster baby too, right? Yeah, like that that's how they make because he didn't, he wasn't dead, that baby. Yeah, and see I would much rather have had another scene like that, you know, where they follow him to the lands of always winter. That kind of explains a little bit or like gives us a clue as to like what, the properties of these beings are hmm. than that bullshit scene between Arya and Sansa. Yeah. 
I just because I just, I mean I think I, that because he can't he can't just be mindless in the way that the bear was or in the way that the horses would be right like he has to have some kind of consciousness I would think and I I would also think that I don't know I, it just seems like he's more than a walker like he's not just kind of a shambling zombie thing I think that he's going to be he's going to have the same level of consciousness and control that that the other white walkers have yeah. but, confession that I, I need to make so despite reading about maybe 5,000 pages of the story and watching like 60 hours of this show <laughs> I still don't know what the difference is between another a white and a white walker oh uh, well the others and the white walkers are the same yeah it's just a different word or a different it's, phrase. Yeah, right, right, that's okay. just like some people call them others, but the White Walkers are like the They were the bosses. ones on the, on the wall of the cave, yeah. right? Like those five or six. Yeah, um, they're the ones that like ride the, you know, the elks or the horses or the bears. What was that? Um, that... And then the whites are just reanimated corpses. Mm-hmm. Oh. So there's some sentience to the White Walkers and they are physically larger too mm-hmm. you if, know they're like because you... they're remains of the first men like or they're like created from first men oh that's right yeah we saw that in the cave is what we, we know quote unquote from the show right yeah by dragon glass right wasn't that the like you stabbed him in the heart with dragon glass and created yeah the first... well there was i mean there's clearly some other like spell weaving going on there so that was my question with like we were talking about how the fuck does this work because homeboy didn't <laughs> Like, the, the two that end up, like, like, that John fights and burns his hand, saving Mormont, they didn't reanimate until they were back at the wall. But then we've seen later, like, some people, it's a little more instantaneous. Maybe it's a proximity thing. Only, yeah, that's the only thing I could come up with is, like, it's either the proximity to the White Walkers and the army, or because there is some similar magics woven into the wall... And they were being held in the ice cells, right? Interesting. So, I mean, at least in the in the book, it, that's where they had put them, I think. So, I think they were just on a table that, in the show, but yeah. Yeah, but like some correlation with the magics at the wall, because that's all children of the forest magics. Mm-hmm. And according to the show, so are the White Walkers. Yeah. So, okay. So we have to assume that he can talk, right? Because... If he wants to give the dragons commands, he has to talk to him, right? Like, Danny can't just think Dracarys and have Drogon roast people. I mean, they do it voluntarily sometimes, but, like, she clearly, there's clearly, like, a verbal communication. Well, and I do think there's a certain amount of, like, warging going on with her. Like, a familiar situation where they can perceive, like, her feelings. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because she seems to fly them in formation, Uh, too, you know? Which may which may explain why uh, Rhaegal took off, right? Like she was just like, "Get the fuck out of here!" Like, yeah, yeah that's yeah. what I would say. Is like, it's more um, kind of an automatic. Like, I don't think she knows that that's mm-hmm. how she's controlling them, but it's just kind of a their thing. Well, and that's canon from Princess and the Queen too, isn't it? Because 
the dragons from the blacks and the greens snark at each other whenever one of the other ones is around, right? Because their owners or their riders are so fractious. So, I mean, that's that's something we have precedent for, at least book precedent. But. Yeah, and I mean, you we do observe it to a certain extent with the dire wolves. Like, they, okay, like, Bran reaches out to Summer and then he's in Summer because he's the strongest actual warg. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas, like, John and Arya are wargs but not as strong. Yeah. So, like, but they still reach out in their heart and, like, either the wolf will appear or, like, that night Arya will have, like, a wolf dream. Yeah. Or even, I mean, Shaggy Dog just being batshit crazy because he's controlled by a toddler, right? Like, <laughs> but still under control. You right, know I mean? right. So I think it's probably something close to that, at least with the living beings. And I'm going to imagine something similar with the Night King and the rest of all of the, the beings that he has, you know? Okay. Do we have any evidence from the show that you need Targaryen blood to ride a dragon? Um, I don't think one way or the other. So, no. no, like shot Danny with them. They haven't even like tried. Although, I think that Tyrion is a Targ, and he's like the only one that's been able to touch them. Like, not even Jorah or any of her other close companions. Well, so then you guys have heard the the Night's King is Rhaegar theory, right? Like. I can't. I can't I with that. that. I can't, yeah, people are like, oh, because he has, because he has, he's, I don't know, I don't, like, because he looked at John funny or something. Like, he's so interested and he seems to be so focused on John, I think, is like one of the major. Um, I normally love all, all the crockpot theories yeah. because I think they're fun. That shit's stupid. Well, Sorry. the time, no, 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 no. Yeah, the timeline doesn't work out at all because he's like the first one and now we've seen him in the cave and stuff like that. But it was just an interesting kind of pause for me that like, yeah, you have a dragon. Now what? Like, if if Jora ended up with one of Danny's dragons, he'd be like, "Hey, dragon." The dragon would be like, "Hey, I'm probably not gonna roast you, but like, how much control would he really have? I don't know." I think the Mance Raider is Rhaegar theory holds up better than that. Yeah. Oh, I'm definitely not. I don't. I don't. Tiny spoon of water. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to like under any circumstances be seen to be espousing that particular theory. I just. It was. No, I know. I'm just. Yeah, that's. Yeah. But it was an I interesting. I think like, that hmm. um, you know the, well, the Night King's best friend, like the guy with the long hair. I always think um, he looks a lot like um, Lord Commander Mon- Mormont. Oh, that would be so awful. <laughs> I know. If you were Danny and you believed that John had not painted the White Walkers, as we discussed last time. And you saw said White Walkers standing on a hill, clearly in charge of these hordes of lesser creatures. Would you or would you not fly directly at them and try to incinerate them? Yeah, here's the other thing. Everyone's like, well, the battle was cool. Um, No, it wasn't. Okay. (laughs) If Homeboy had those spears, why was he like, wait for it, wait for it, wait for it? okay, dickhead's just going to stay and fight, and they're not going to fly away now. Oh, like, like why would he just kill the dragons as soon as they showed up? Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. That was stupid as fuck. And what? then <laughs> Sue, Sue was like, well, maybe he was just, like, really taken aback by the dragon. I was like, I don't think he has that kind of sentience. Like, Oh, I do. I think he's... I don't, think, I don't think he's like, oh my god, there's a dragon loose in the house. <laughs> I think he's more like, oh, there's something else to kill. Kill it. 
Oh, see, I, I don't like, think he's, I don't think he's, you know, lower functioning. Is that, is that the impression that you have him? Like he doesn't talk, but I just figured it was because he was so fucking cold. Okay. Not stupid, but no, not emotional. See, that's an emotion that human oh, beings have. Interesting. He's not human. Those kind of emotions wouldn't register. I'm, I look at him more like a robot. Would you, would you put him in like, Do you a, know what I mean? like, like an ungregor category? Yeah. Uh, God, that's really hard to say. I mean, I guess like I, I do believe obviously he, there's a certain amount of intelligence there, but I just don't think like shock or because he doesn't even really seem to have like anger necessarily. It's just more like just one track mind, like kill. My primary objective is to kill everything. I'm yeah. going to kill everything. Maybe it's like I don't know kind of hesitation on his part. It doesn't make any sense and again if we knew a little bit about more what the rules of these things are what their properties are maybe it would it may be functioning on like an (laughs) elemental level like would that be you know i mean where cold isn't conscious but it's also inexorable i don't know that's weird I i had i had never thought that he wasn't a strategist or that he wasn't he didn't have some kind of game plan but i mean i guess i can see see like and and again i mean i think there there's obviously a little more to it because they don't just go for the wall right away something is holding them back but i'm pretty sure they could like storm that shit at any like what what is taking them so long you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. but again we just don't we don't know the rules and it's bothering me like Okay, and then, okay, you could say, well, it's the magic in the wall. They could circumnavigate the wall. <laughs> yeah. They could literally freeze <laughs> themselves a tiny land bridge that goes loop out in the sea around it. Do you think this <laughs> changes the way that, um, so this has changed something for Daenerys? So before she was like, oh, no, the most important thing is getting my crown back. But will she maybe not care as much about that now and be more focused on fighting the the night king i think so yeah well she she said as much didn't she i mean she said i mean maybe she didn't say like i don't care about the seven kingdoms but she definitely yeah i think she seems to have refocused it concerns me a little bit for her that what refocused her was losing one of her children because then she's kind of getting into like cersei territory i feel a little bit like the intensity of that loss and the intensity of her her shift in focus that came with it, I feel like. I mean, I guess Cersei always wanted power, but it just I, I got a hint of a mother who's lost all her children, a la Cersei and a la Lady Stoneheart too, right? That it's like that's not a that's not an archetype that turns out well in these stories. The the kind of mourning. Yeah. Mother. Add to that, it makes me really nervous for if and most likely when she meets the ice Viserion again, like what da- what dangers that'll put her in emotionally because she probably will hesitate. Yeah, you know, for him because again, okay, so again, that's an emotion like that kind of hesitation is brought on by a human emotion. I don't understand the Night King's hesitation to do anything other than maybe he's just. Ex- extremely patient i think he's patient and he's i like, think i'm he... undead i've got all the time in the world <laughs> right well and also he's he it may be that he felt so completely unthreatened by the situation that he was willing to or at least that we're supposed to understand his delay as okay so that makes way more sense right like he was so completely yeah. unshook by the fact that she showed up with three right. dragons that he was like yeah you know whatever let her burn some 
we're still going to win. You know, like the kind of, I mean, similarly yeah. to, you know, I have all the time in the world, but um, he's like, okay, if that's, Maybe he might like, want to do more than closer range. Or maybe, something. yeah, like that he was so confident he could end it when he wanted to that he didn't even. I mean, I, I feel I like guess. that's the same answer as to why he didn't just. I mean, some people were asking, like, why he, if he had those javelins, that he couldn't just throw them at the guys on the island. And it's like, but why would he? Like, he, he can wait way longer than they can. So, why not? It also makes me wonder if, like, what, is that what those have been for? Or it took him a minute to be like, oh, I could use this. Oh. As I noticed he only had he only had two. Mm-hmm. So what was he going to do with the other dragon? Oh, interesting. I also like how it's completely fucking John's fault that oh, it even happens. It's like, if you would just get on the shit and we could go already, like, why are you turning around? Yeah, why didn't he, like... She, I understood because she was the first person that he, I mean, he was the first person that she reached for and he didn't want to get on first because he yeah, was, I can, yeah, last he was one holding out it Saigon. up. I get that. Yeah. yeah. But then, yeah, that she was like, okay, come on. And then he turned around and like actually took steps away from Drogon in order to engage with the next. And like, did he really yeah. not think that he would be able to take like, off? You until... go, I'll wait for the next one. <laughs> what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> right. <laughs> I'll wait for the next this time. lifeboat's full yeah just it was such a small thing but i love the way that sandor secured the white onto the dragon where he just like could chumped him over the spike he's <laughs> like that ought to do it i did like um i thought that uh what is his name R- rory mccain mm-hmm. um I, when he throws the rock and then it lands and it, oh it got upshot on his face like oh yeah. fuck oh. It was so true and so one of the best bits of acting I think we've seen this season, Yeah, honestly. I love that it was the hound who was checking because of fucking course it was, you know what I mean? He's just like, God damn, like stupid well, It skeleton. was so like similar to when he that the shot of his reaction to the wildfire on Blackwater Bay mm-hmm. the look in his eyes and stuff is so, so similar only it's an opposite. It's like the horror of the fire and now the horror from the ice like that was more satisfying than most things in the season so far <laughs> yeah he was he was really brilliant and i loved when he told uh gendry to stop whinging he's like this fucker's been killed six times you don't hear him bitching and he's like oh man <laughs> was anyone sad that sam and gilly left old town <sighs> no Honestly, I was. Oh, yeah, we, are, we are supposed to be covering. I thought uh, it was going somewhere. And you're talking about Eastwatch, yeah. I think it would have taken so long for him to become a maester. Like, it wasn't a summer correspondence course. You know what I mean? Like, he would have been there uh, for. <laughs> he would have been there for. <laughs> 10 Excuse years. Excuse me, I'm looking for something. the Citadel Extension Campus. Exactly. Is it around here? <laughs> like, I'm going to take adult night classes while, okay, great. while I pursue my career in the Night's Watch. Yeah, it was, just, it was such a weird, in retrospect, like it made sense at the time that he was going to go and like get access to the information, but for him to actually become a maester, just looking back on it, it's like, what, what like, are you just going to hang out until your kid's 15? Like, how are you going to... How is that helpful for anyone? I don't know. It was, and he obviously like did discover, you know, the mountain of dragon glass and um, which like, financial aid expired. I can't <laughs> go yeah, here right, anymore. Like, some trouble with housing or like my you know on campus job got canceled. But like, I like how you know Sam's like notorious for reading in books. 
and getting information and then trying to tell people about it that aren't listening at all. <laughs> yeah. And then Gilly does the same thing. And he's like, I don't give a shit about all those shits. Yeah. <laughs> and it was just like, okay, well, Sam, you've graduated from the Citadel. Now you've learned everything that they have to teach you. Yeah, right. Be obtuse. Don't listen to reason. Good job, Bell. Well, okay. What are they playing at with the whole Rhaegar and Lyanna thing? Like that is just driving me up the wall because we had the Tower of Joy flashback and everyone's like, confirmed, confirmed, confirmed. But they deliberately obscured any definitive information coming from her. So she's like, what actually happened is don't tell Robert that blah, 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 blah. You know what I mean? And like, there was no, there was no real confirmation. And then in this one, it was prince ragar and his annulment and then his remarried his remarriage to another lady but like why not just say liana like why why are you yeah dancing around it in such a an infuriatingly i, um, I think they're probably doing it more for like the the show like the audience right like yeah. we know but now it nobody a- else says like yeah, it was a nod uh-huh. to the audience. But it, I, I agree with you. It's so, like, just cut the cord there already, yeah. for God's sake. Just come out and say it. It just feels like trolling at this yeah. point. And then, oh, and Jorah, right. did you guys catch the thing where Jorah said to John that he didn't look like Ned at all? Did you guys, no, I did you guys catch, catch that? that. Yes. That was so, yeah, he was like, I I met your dad. And he was like, oh, yeah. And he goes, "Yeah, it's so weird. You don't look like your father at all. And I'm like, right, the constant, like, hint dropping. And it's like, we get it already. So if you're doing this for our benefit, which you should, because we're the ones with the HBO subscriptions, stop. Right. Like, just pull the trigger on that already. The whole point of John being Ned's bastard quote unquote, is that he did look like Ned, like he and Arya look more like Ned than any of the other Stark kids. Like they make a huge point of that. But I think that was because <laughs> Lyanna looks like Arya. Yeah, but that he, like, so what about so him it... doesn't look like... Well, you know, Jorah and Ned were best friends, so he would be the authority on <laughs> Right. Maybe he should have carved the statue. They needed someone who knew his <laughs> yeah. face. <laughs> Jesus. I don't know. I just thought that was such a weird, again, like just such a weird throwaway and such a weird kind of like trolling moment where you're like, what do you mean he doesn't look? Yeah. Whereas people look at Gendry and go like, oh, you're the spitting image of Robert. And it's like, no, he's not. <laughs> right. Like, <laughs> Would yeah. you have face blindness? Yeah. Like, I cannot oh, tell oh, white people Jesus. apart. That is actually a problem that I have in movies. And I found this battle scene so incredibly confusing where I was like, did the hound just die? But I was like, calm down. It's some random ass guy. Like, I can't tell anymore. Oh, oh, we all look the same to you, Sarah. Yes. (laughs) It's actually a real problem. Like I watched the Pelican brief and I had no fucking idea what was happening because I could not tell the characters apart. It was like 73 white guys in suits. And I'm like, is that a bad white guy or a good white guy? And I was like, what is this? They look totally different. Like, yeah. Actually, Sue was struggling with the same thing, and I kept trying to tell her, I'm like, they're just randos. They're just there to die. And like, <laughs> they don't matter. She didn't understand what I was saying. And like, finally, I had to pause it. And like, <laughs> they're nobodies that are just there to fill space. Like, they're pack animals, basically. Well, that but they when, they brought were, when they were showing the with... long shots of them trudging and stuff, like through the, you know, epic scenery, it was just the ones who were talking, and then like maybe two random guys. But I don't I don't remember 
seeing more than that and so they just kept dying and i was like oh my god who are these people like like preceding the bear scene yeah i saw i think i counted three that were randoms okay but Um, then like two of them got eaten by the bear right but then yeah but then i think there's like a total of four that actually eat it so not soups sure what was going on there Mm -hmm. but See, that confused me because I thought it was only people we cared about that were actually going, like a small yeah. group of 10 people. That's all you see when the gate opens up oh, at the yeah. end of that fucking episode. So, <laughs> and then there's I, like... I guess, like, I guess the randoms were holding the camera. <laughs> that's what it is. The camera crew. <laughs> oh, my that God. Was with Bear Grylls and his team. That's amazing. But that random guy that gets torn apart, he looks so much like Gendry. Yeah. And I watched it, like, three times just to make sure. And I was convinced it was him, even though I knew he ran all the way back to the wall. So I was like, how did that happen? <laughs> yeah, which, like, how cardio, how cardio intensive is blacksmithing, really? Because... I feel like his lungs would have exploded. Like, did you not feel like they were like at least a week north of the wall too? I mean, like, I would have said like three days, maybe of like yeah. I mean, constant I travel. We didn't see any like we didn't see them at night. So okay, there's one thing, oh. but we see them traverse like hills and valleys and white plains with frozen rivers Mm -hmm. and then get onto a mountain like in 30 minutes you can run back to the wall yeah some people suggested that they were zigzagging because they were looking for the white walkers but i thought they were looking for the mountain which wouldn't have moved like they were looking for the mountain that sandor saw right in the the one that looked like an arrowhead delicious mountain spring router i was i was very surprised by that and also i don't know if any of you have ever tried to run when it's that cold but like just breathing is difficult and i can't even imagine like like yeah not to mention your shit would be caked with have you ever tried just regular walking through snow even a couple inches deep Mm. like your boots get caked and heavy with snowball and dirt yeah. yeah, like you have to constantly knock them off. Yeah. And I mean, I live in Southern California in a friggin' <laughs> desert, and I know that shit. I'm surprised they didn't have <laughs> snowshoes, actually, to be honest. I, I question the um, survival skills of the Night's Watch from this episode, and the Wildings for that matter, because, like, they didn't use the sword to build a fire, thus, Thoros froze to death. They didn't go flat when the ice started to crack, right? Uh-huh. Like, isn't that what you're supposed to do when you step on ice? I mean, I understand that the the whites were behind them, but, like, you commando crawl so you don't fall through the fucking ice. Yeah, you would definitely want to at least spread out and distribute your weight evenly. Yeah, and then they also didn't huddle together at night, which was weird. Like, they were all just kind of, like, hanging out on their own little spot on the rock. And I'm like, you know, fun fact... <laughs> If you stood yeah, closer together. Why they, yeah, why didn't they use the sword? Like, was it because the hound would have flipped the fuck out? Like, I don't... Oh, maybe. Yeah, maybe maybe he was going to, like, run out of butane or something. Like, Well, just... and also, they didn't burn the body of the bear or their homeboy that got killed way back there. Oh, that's a good point, yeah. You know, that it's just so much nonsense. <laughs> Also, I feel like the Kill the Maker and the other ones fall is a huge vampire retcon, right? Like, we we haven't had any evidence of that up until this point, right? No, especially not at 
hard home. So, like, all of a sudden, when it's convenient. Yeah. I just thought that was a weird addition to the lore. And especially because of the way that they did it, where he was like, I don't know, maybe this. And they're like, mm, yeah, sounds that sounds reasonable. <laughs> like, I don't know. Seems how most of the decisions get done. Yeah, like, maybe this. Sounds just good. Just like, whatever. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. I, d- yeah. I will say uh, that I very much enjoyed their conversations as they were walking, like their kind of their their respective pairings and then breakings apart and kind of chatting about this and that. And like, I love the idea that as someone from the South, the hound could give two shits less about the wildings. <laughs> like, he was just like, oh, you don't like wildings? He was like, I don't give a shit about wildings. I don't like gingers. <laughs> like, well, that's very rude, but I understand where you like... I, know, I just thought it was a funny like culture <laughs> culture commentary where it was just like in the south they really don't like this thing has been such an issue in the north for so long and in the south they're just like whatever we don't even like so i think it was um Mike Hall on dragoncast who was like she's saying something about um she's so tired of like pretty boy fan service and not to sound like tanya but she was so upset with that exchange about long claw between jorah like she's just tired of him having to be like the good guy hero but then um my friend sue made it a better point which was she's she goes oh well i read that as being more about jorah's redemption arc because his, his whole deal was that he wanted to go home and he was the lord of bear island and that's why he was gonna spy on Danny and now his values have changed and he's grown and he admits that he doesn't deserve any of that from what he's done Mm. and he can find peace in it Sue is so wise I agree with (laughs) Sue that's that's why I was thinking myself I have a tinfoil a little bit of tinfoil I think that John died in the water and then came back again Ooh, because and this is tenuous, but because partly of just the way that he comes out where he's he's kind of like his hand and then that huge gasp was very much akin to when he comes back after Melisandre raises him. Um, and also, I mean, just sort of pragmatically, there's no reason that the whites would have let him go unless he was de- like they wouldn't have just been like, mm, OK, I guess you're drowned enough. Um, so it seems weird that he would have been able to get away before he died. Um, yeah. And then also when he comes up, he's blue, which obviously he would have been very cold, but he was like blue gray in a way, again, very reminiscent of how he was when he was on the table in um, in Castle Black. And then finally, there was a shot right after he came out of the water when all of the whites were walking away. And we kind of see through them to him crossing sort of parallel or it's perpendicular to them across the screen. And he is like hunched over and shambling in a way that was very reminiscent of the way that they moved. Um, and then he kind of musters himself and they and they fight again. But like, I just I thought like the, the focus on Longclaw right before he grabbed it was very reminiscent of Ghost picking up his head right before John. Came. I don't know. There was just a lot of imagery that seemed very suggestive to me of the idea that he had died and then come back rather than just like miraculously survived i don't know what that means but well i don't okay so i don't think that that's too tinfoily just because like, th- that is true there is a lot of similarities there and and uh, again a point sue was making is like there's no fucking way he came out of that water like 10 minutes later or whatever mm-hmm. you know like she was just pissed she was like that didn't make any sense she would have rather just seen him like on the ground i mean jamie did but it. also you're right it's like <laughs> it's like okay so what what is the 
again, what are the rules with these things? Is it auditory cues that they get that they can sense life around them or can they just sense life around them? Like if you're, if you're being quiet somewhere, like say, I don't know, in an abandoned wildling village, do the whites just like skirt around you or do they like come in and and attack you well sam hid from like them the, the first time he saw them you know what I mean? like, the very very first time that he saw like the skeleton horse and stuff he hid behind the rock right do you guys remember that it was like season two or something it was like ages ago but and he watches them all ride past so you can hide from them but yeah i feel like it wasn't until john like squared off and raised his sword that they were like oh hell no we yeah. thought we killed you like the i, I don't think that it would just be the auditory cue either of like hearing someone breathe i can understand okay maybe they don't have a sense of smell but shouldn't they be able to feel the heat of a living fat mm. boy i feel like that the the leader of the army at the time so it wasn't like the night king it was his best friend that was the leader mm-hmm. yeah like he noticed him but he didn't care so he just moved on in uh, season two yeah oh uh, big uh, <laughs> he's the one with the long hair right like the yeah the real kind of sinewy one yeah that's true yeah i was also thinking that um so i sort of cringed at the whole delay tactic that they used you know where they had the army surrounded and had them in a circle and then like the army are thinking oh we can't cross here because we'll fall underwater even though it's just like a clear surface that they could just walk on and they don't realize it and it just reminded me of like so many disney movies that would do like a similar thing just to like build up some time delay Mm -hmm. delay things for Daenerys to come with the dragons yeah it did seem like kind of a buy especially since we saw them fall into the water and then climb back out again so it doesn't seem like like they weren't gonna die if the ice broke right like did did Bran summon cold hands well that's what I was gonna say that I don't think your thing is that tinfoil because like okay Melisandre did this like faux ceremony over Jon's body and brought him back but like Thoros never does that with Beric. It's a little more instantaneous, right? On mm-hmm. all the times we've seen him resurrect Beric. And so and and when asked, they're like, we don't know how it happens, it's just the Lord of Light. So is it the proximity of Benjamin there? Maybe like the Lord of Light transferred some power of that like into John, like using him as the tool for that, you know, some mm-hmm. something like that, like I could see happening. I don't think that there's like hard and fast rules for how that resurrection works. I also don't think that it's like too important if we don't get an answer with it on the mm-hmm. show. Um, but I, yeah, I don't think it's like that far fetched what you're saying there. Like, there's a lot more things that were far fetched in this episode than that. Yeah. You know, the the and reason I mean, I do think it's kind of cool that like he got to know what happened to Benjamin, kinda. Mm-hmm. But also like, how shitty is that? Like, hi, bye. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, the reason I ask about that in particular is because I, I was reading something where they pointed out that the first time Benjen shows up to help Bran, he specifically says that the three-eyed raven told him they needed help, like that the three-eyed raven had mm. called him. And so it was just so random otherwise that he showed up then and not earlier or later. I mean, I guess arguably he was like, what the fuck are those dragons doing over there? And he like just came to investigate, yeah, and- but... I don't definitely know. didn't see Bran in in that episode, so could it could be, you know, for sure. And it might be something like we'll have a callback to later, mm-hmm. whether it be the next episode or next season. Bran's all, what can I say except you're welcome? Mm-hmm. 
I will say, like, as disappointed as I am that Ghost has not been around, I am so glad that they did not have him charge triumphantly out of the nowhere to fight with the bear and die so that, like, John could live or to fight with the whites like Summer did so that the yeah the brotherhood. I do wish they'd at least give us some exposition there, like, I'm glad I left Ghost with Sansa or, you know, something like, yeah. where the fuck is he, though? <laughs> yeah but i i just i'm Did glad you that not didn't. think that after seven years we wouldn't wonder where the puppy is <laughs> yeah, yeah i was just relieved that they didn't like i felt like summer was a waste yeah. um and i was, I was yeah i that they didn't felt like him. that was really unnecessary i mean i guess maybe that's something that could happen in the books we don't really need summer like or brand doesn't but come on those things to me are so devastating. Like as an animal lover, oh yeah, Lady and Grey Wind, yeah. ugh, what a punch in the gut. And then the thing with Shaggy Dog, um, yeah, like that one was so senseless think... too. Where it was just like, oh, by right. the way, here's and a, I don't yeah. think that's how the books will be at all. Um, it's gonna get speared that way. Yeah, speared by but a unicorn. Like, it it literally made me like physically ill Sunday night, like my gut was in knots watching the scene because I I have thought that this is going to happen in the book so I was expecting it to happen on the show like as soon as she went up there I'm like there goes one of the dragons mm, yeah oh I cried one, I totally cried like I'm not even gonna pretend like I wasn't just like weeping I'm like a dragon yeah it's so, like even though like I knew it was coming it just made me so upset like it'd be like watching a unicorn get killed or like Mm-hmm. You know, if it was like the last white rhino mm-hmm. and somebody just totally heedlessly butchers it in front of your eyes, like the majesty of these creatures, right? He brought and I, it I back. Like, how it's reflecting on like all of their, like all of their faces that was like, oh, fuck. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, I will say though, as, as much as it was incredibly painful to watch and just like devastating how much better in in whatever metric you want to measure it than to let Cersei have the satisfaction of killing one of them. Like, oh, can you imagine oh, if Drogon has died from that true. fucking scorpion? That, like, oh, That brings me to my predictions for next week. Oh. It actually I'm sure I want to hear it. It actually reminded me of Harry Potter and Half-Blood Prince. So the whole actual scene that reminded me of the um, Neferi, I think um, they were called, when Dumbledore and Harry were battling against an undead army. Um, oh, right. When Dumbledore dies in that movie and, well, going into, like, the sixth book, well, going into the seventh book, it made it, like, more interesting because Dumbledore was, like, unstoppable. Mm. But then when he right. dies and then going into the seventh book it's like oh this throws everything into chaos that Mm -hmm. we don't have Dumbledore anymore so how did they survive without Dumbledore so sort of a similar thing with Daenerys she doesn't have the three dragons anymore she just has the two dragons so Mm -hmm. would that change things plus she's now got a dragon to fight with as well Mm -hmm. yeah it really does kind of force you to reconsider a lot of the things that that we've been taking for and especially that she's been taking for granted um, up until this point that the dragons are effectively invincible and that, um, and I almost, I almost feel like Drogon's sort of vexingly quick recovery from the scorpion bolt. Um, when we see him in Eastwatch, he's not even like limping or whatever the, the flying equivalent of that would be, um, that that was setting us up 
to be like, oh, yeah, they are unstoppable. And then just one shot from this. And he's just, oh, God, bleh. there's so much blood. I couldn't even like. Well, but see, like that's, um there's magics, though, I think, in those blades. Oh, where the yeah. scorpion bolt didn't. Yeah. So and he's still fire made flesh. So. You know, he probably like cauterized his own wound, but yeah, but like for Viserion, it would be like immediate death. Well, first of all, it seemed to be better placed, yeah. Anyway, of a shot, yeah. And then second of all, yeah, just the the power that's in whatever that is, you know. My husband suggested that because um, we saw the fire kind of welling up inside of Drogon, and in the episode where Jamie charges at him. Like he was like, I really hope that he doesn't just cremate himself the first time he tries to breathe fire. He's like, that would be so disappointing. I'm like, yeah, that would be a shame. Well, talking about unstoppable, invincible things or people in the show. So Hannah and I talked about it a few weeks ago, but there's also the mountain, mm-hmm. like her, you know, Cersei's bodyguard. Do we think anything will happen to him? He's probably yeah, right like he'll probably just mm-hmm. get incinerated at some point i would think right i think we're probably done with him this season again my predictions for next week oh i feel like he's just gonna kill a mess of people next week so you guys saw the preview right i did not i don't watch the preview or the um uh-huh. yeah oh i've watched the preview but there was nothing too exciting <laughs> in it except for one bit i don't know do you not want me to talk about it then sarah no i mean it, that's fine i like want it on record just in case i'm right okay i like, called it <laughs> that's fair yeah go ahead um so there it shows cersei setting up to like receive all these various leaders to this meeting that she's agreed to sinisterly in the dragon pit not in the red keep and um i think that we all know that that shit is rigged with wildfire so I think that Ray Gall is in a lot of danger. And I think that... Why would Ray Gall be I don't there? think it's going to happen. Oh, I just think, like, you know, that could happen where there is another dragon on the chopping block. Oh. On a positive note for, you know, Brienne and Jamie Shippers, they get to reunite next week because... um. Sansa sent Brienne to King's Landing instead of in her own place. Mm -hmm. So, of course, Jamie will be there too. Why did Sansa send Brienne away? So this was like a sticking point with Sue where she couldn't (laughs) tell, like, from that conversation (laughs) with... um, Littlefinger. Littlefinger and Sansa, like, was she sending Brienne away because she thought, like, like she thought she'd have Brienne... to take care of Arya and yeah. Brienne would get in the way? I think that's but I what think it just, Littlefinger that thought. Conversation, but that conversation preceded them getting that raven. And I think it was just more about, like, like Sansa's not going. And she sure as hell isn't going to send Littlefinger to represent her interests number one just because that would be really dumb and two uh john would never agree and and ultimately three um he's not in good standing with the crown himself so that's not going to go well so i think she's just sending brian because she doesn't really have anyone else there who can go as her proxy no but okay so in the first conversation that she has with littlefinger we learn that she doesn't trust the northern lords because they are wind veins, which I'm fairly sure is not a thing. Can we just like pause on that for a second? Isn't it a weather vane? Oh my god, 
that totally got me too. I was like, it's weather. Is a, yeah, like is a wind vane a different thing of how which is, I am how unaware? Does somebody, like, no, and no one is on set correcting <laughs> right. her. Like, yeah. I need yeah, I need a job I'm as sorry, like as a weather vane. Yeah, it's a weather vane. So the wind vanes in the north make her anxious. She's she's combining worried. wind socks and wind <laughs> She's worried about the letter that she must know Littlefinger uncovered because she must remember that it was his idea for her to write it. So who else would know about it? Who else could have gotten it from the maester? Like she must understand that he's the one who has brought it to light, right? And then he points out that Brienne is sworn to protect both of the daughters of Catelyn. And she's like, yes, she is. She would be honor bound to intervene if either one of you tried to harm the other. Yes, she would. And her takeaway from that is let's get her the hell out of here. Yeah. Because Littlefinger suggested it or because she thinks it's the opposite of what Littlefinger was suggesting. Like Brienne will take care of, which seems very on Littlefinger of him to point out that like she's cool as long as Brienne is there. I just don't get it's it. Like I don't understand to say because it doesn't make any sense. However, you look at it. Yeah, I just okay. I mean, I guess like I just wanted to see if I had like missed the way that those pieces fit together because if she's she feels precarious in her position with the Northern Lords. She's made it readily apparent that she doesn't trust Littlefinger, but yet appears to be taking his advice. But maybe she was doing the opposite of what he was advising. I just didn't understand. I didn't understand why she sent him away or sent her away. Um, Why did Arya give Sansa the dagger? I thought it was just that, um, I guess it was a threat, but then I don't think she would actually carry it out either so even though she said like she's upset that um sansa betrayed rob well that sansa betrayed rob and her family a few years back and you know she's if any of the northern lords seen that you know their opinion of her would change and then they just compare each other who had like the worst life and then Arya talks a bit more about her training and what she can do mm-hmm. But I don't think um, she would actually kill Sansa. I, yeah, the, I mean, the last thing she says to her is, all I would need was your face. And then she picks up the dagger and then flips it around and hands it to her. And the dagger was the center of the exchange between the two of them and Bran, where oh, um, Sansa was reminding both of them that Littlefinger was untrustworthy, right? Where she said, like, he's not a generous man. He he won't have given you anything out of the goodness of his heart. He just does it because he wants something. So like, was it Arya baiting Sansa and being like, you know what? I'm even going to give you this fancy ass dagger and I could still kill you. Or was it a callback to, or kind of like a tacit reminder of this dagger that came from the person Sansa reminded them they shouldn't trust. Like again, I mean, that's sort of my, my hoping desperately for subtext beyond the beyond the obvious of just like haha you thought i was gonna stab you with this dagger no that would be too easy you know what you keep it like i'll kill you anyway if i want to which i think is suggestively where the rest of the scene was going but i don't know i just thought it was an interesting possibility that like it was a symbol of little fingers douchebaggery to a certain extent like <laughs> why is she terrorizing her i don't get it i don't i don't know 
it's very immature it's so like that's i mean that's kind of what i was saying at the beginning where like it's there's a level of immaturity to it and pointlessness and and kind of just a almost like a supernatural level of sibling rivalry that it feels very cheap and and kind of unmotivated unless it pays off in some kind of unexpected way well, which i mean it's just trying to get her to admit that she wants to be queen like fucking duh she's always wanted that you just said it yourself yeah you really think like somebody's heart's desire is going to change that much through a series of events of course she wants to be queen it's just is she willing to like betray her family at this juncture to get it and if that's what you want to get out of her just say that shit like what is this dog and pony show going on and whose benefit is this for yeah because it's just pissing me off also, Arya totally worked for Tywin and Reese Bolton, so I don't know where her high Why? horse is coming from about Sansa doing what she needed to do to survive when she yeah. was in the enemy camp, but... She that's... totally could have, like, said Roose's name or just killed him. Yeah. She had, like, motive, means, and opportunity. Yeah. But she hesitated because she actually started to admire the fucker. Oh, you think that's why? I think it was, I thought it was just because. A little bit. If she killed him, she knew she wouldn't have gotten out of there alive. I, I think it's like, like too, I think it's like twofold in that way. At least the way the show paints it with both of them. It's it's almost like what, what Sansa said about Cersei a couple episodes. Like she taught me a lot. Mm-hmm. And Arya had similar exchanges with both Tywin and Roose. Mm-hmm. You know, but just, but so. just for her to, to be so high and mighty about Right. Sansa doing what she needed to survive, I thought was very like tone deaf. Again, I don't, again, like very like, immature. Yeah, don't compare the tr- uh, atrocities. Like it, it doesn't need to be a pissing contest between mm. the two of you. You both had it bad. You were both totally like had your family murdered mm-hmm. by enemies that disguised themselves as friends for bullshit reasons. Like, can't you just? knock it off and stop playing into their hand and i'm the most disappointed of that with sansa really because every yeah because in the fandom everyone's like she's dark sansa now she's playing the game she knows what she's doing she's good to go and dan and dave same thing are like well she's learned a lot and she's really coming back up but she's just acting like a moron continuously i i have been especially in contrast with Arya, kind of provoking her and needling her (laughs) no pun intended um um, especially in that scene when she was visibly shaken by the things that Arya was saying to her when Arya was like do you want to play a game do you want to you know play this creepy ass game that i am clearly a psycho wanting to play with you yeah Her, her response to that was I thought so mature and so, I mean, she, like I said, she was visibly shaken, but at the same time, she's like, no, I'm not going to play your fucking psycho game. This is not my first time at the psycho rodeo, you punk. Like, I just, yeah, exactly. I feel like she's, she's such a grown up now. Like she's the grown up in this dynamic in a way that like I had hoped Arya was coming in to be and then immediately reverted away from. Um, So I did, I did admire Sansa in this scene. I mean, I, I thought the acting there was true because the last person that liked to play games with her was a total fucking monster and hurt her very, very badly. But at the same time, it's like, just answer the fucking question. It's like, you keep wanting Arya to answer your questions about what are these? Who are you? What are you doing? But you won't answer her simple question of like, just admit it. You want to be king, queen. I just, I think there was, there was something to it where Arya was 
was teasing her and she just wasn't going to sink to that level again in order to survive. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I did like the idea that she had no idea what the fuck a faceless man was. She's like, I was training to be a faceless man. And you're like, bum, bum, bum. And I was like, ooh, such a big. And she's like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> like, it's not like a three-eyed raven. Like, who are you people? What are you doing? So speaking of that, um, I would really love to hear your guys' thoughts on like um, on Dragon Cast. I think it was Casey that brought it up. Was talking about like in the trailer, it's Sansa's voice is saying, "When the white winds blow." That quote, like that Ned says to Arya. Oh, the pack survives, about, but the lone wolf dies. Yeah, but he didn't say it to Sansa. And then, given what just happened, and then there's like one shot from the trailer of Sansa kind of in an odd posture and we haven't seen that audio clip pay out from the trailer so I think if like next episode something happens and Arya does kill Sansa and use her face if you uh, yeah I don't think but see I don't think was my reaction to it I don't want to see that I don't think it'll do any good you know what if they um, made Littlefinger think that Arya had stolen Sansa's face? See, maybe. See, I like that a lot better. Because like, he was that so would... proud of himself for figuring out that she was right. a faceless man. And he's like, I'm totally, like, I'm on to what you are. And, like, oh, my God, that would be amazing. I'm sure that's not going to happen. But it would be so much fun to watch. <laughs> She's like, but see, that, that, would, that would make more narrative sense. Like, you know, the fucking spider thinks he caught himself a fly, but then turns out to be the fly. I think... That would be such an awesome, gratifying end to this little weasel Mm -hmm. is that he thinks he's playing everyone. He thinks that he's creating the chaos that's the ladder Mm -hmm. and climbing it and really... He's just a rung. He's there. Yeah, it's just a psychological flip on the ear by the girls against him. I think that'd be great. I feel like there have been hints as to that. I think the dagger was one of them. I think that the line well the two lines that that Arya says to Sansa one in their first conversation when she's remembering Ned and she was she said I knew what I was doing was against the rules but he was smiling so I knew that it wasn't wrong and that distinction between breaking the rules and still doing what's right I thought was was very profound and very fascinating as far as like where these characters could go the rules are wrong yeah. yeah. Um, and like then that. the other line that really struck me in their kind of like psycho exchange in Arya's room was um, that she still sees herself as kindred with Sansa in that they both had dreams for their future that, that went unfulfilled and that she spells that out for her. And she says, you know, I wanted to be a knight and you wanted to be a queen. Neither one of us got to be what we wanted. And then, you know, I mean, she's mocking her about the pretty dresses and how maybe she's she's making the scrap for power. But she says, um, we both, essentially, we both wanted to escape the limitations of being girls, but girls don't get to decide who they are, what they're going to be. And it just struck me as um, in the middle of a scene where she seems so clearly against Sansa um, and, and to be distancing herself from her and mocking her for who she is instead of being who Arya thinks she should be. Um, it was a very striking articulation of a common ground between them. And it was also something that reminded me very much of Cersei in terms of the gender, yeah. the gender limitations yeah. and the, um, you know, finding a way to, to be powerful um, in spite of that, or even because of that. Right. 
So I don't know. I, like I said, I still have hope. I still, there are still glimmers of hope for me, but um, I just, she's like intimidating her. And I guess she's warning her, like, don't fuck around. Cause it would be really easy to get rid of you. But I just, I just but think that that's she, so she gives her the night, like here, all the power is yours. Like the choice is yours. Yeah. Or like, and then she immediately turns her back on her. Yeah. So it's like Art saying, like, I trust myself and I can trust you. Like, I, or I think I can. Can I? Yeah. Show me. I, I hope. I mean, I really do hope. I think that dagger exchange, because of the the text that had already been layered onto it as a symbol earlier in the season, not only of, you know, their their mother and their brother and all of the, the kind of fallout from that, but particularly of the idea that she's warning her siblings against the danger that she knows to be real in Littlefinger um, and that Bran did a kindness to Arya by giving her the dagger in the first yeah. place and then I mean that, that there was a that was sort of the most bonded that they've been or the most pack like that they've been in terms of sharing information and and recognizing each other's skills um very unique skills and I I hope very much that the symbolism that they layered onto that was not just ignored for a cheap... well see I can see it going two ways i can i can literally hear david and dan saying oh well you know that that dagger was always meant to kill one of the stark children so in the end it did Ugh. or that dagger was always intended to kill one of the stark children and then they end up using it to take down one of their enemies mm-hmm. yeah and change it you know becomes a, so like i can i can totally at this point see it going either way yeah it's it could either you know? be a symbol of their division or a symbol of their solidarity but i think in this season in particular it was it has been up until this point a symbol of their their packhood their solidarity um in spite of the the devastating odds that have been stacked against them since the beginning since the assassin was sent to kill a cripple in a coma you know but I hope I, so, I still, like I said, I'm still holding out hope, at least until next episode, yeah. that there's that that discomfort or that kind of nonsensical mm-hmm. aspect is almost deliberate. Like we're supposed to be uncomfortable with it because yeah. it's not really what's happening. I, I mean, well, when that I'm... happens, Sarah, you can sit, look pretty and be smug <laughs> that you knew in advance it was going to happen. I hope it's been <laughs> Yeah, that's what I totally, I'm saying. I was be like, I told you. <laughs> um, yeah. I I know. I mean, I don't have any confidence that it will, but I I do feel like we've had enough to hope, and I, that will make it that much more cruel if if it really is just on the surface of of what it is or what well, it seems to be. Well, and that is kind of this show, right? It's definitely mm-hmm. a masochist delight. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. What else did we see this episode? Can it, can we just give a huge A plus to Tormund for punching that white in the face? That was like one of my favorite moments from this episode, where he's just like, oh, "Enough of this," and he just hauls off and socks it. <laughs> I did like how he was in trouble and called out for help. You know, mm-hmm. I thought that was a good character beat for him. That was nice, yeah, and it was um, it was a kind of a nod at his his tough guy talk too, wasn't it? Like. Um, where he's like, I'm really, you know, I'm really good at killing people. And then he may also be good at like being a human and like working together with others. Yeah. And yeah. may also be good at dying. <laughs> <Let's> yeah. <see. laughs> yeah. I was really glad they didn't kill. I was like ashamed of myself, how relieved I was that they didn't kill him. I would have been really disappointed. Oh, I wondered whether, cause we see Drogon circling while Danny is looking out over the wall. 
And I wondered whether he was looking for for Viserion, which would have been very sad, or whether he was looking for John, like whether he was hoping that John would come back. Well, yeah, and I don't. Was she just standing there, kind of, because of the dragon or because of the guy? I think it was because of the guy. That was also ambiguous. Yeah, because she said, you know, just a moment longer, and then they were like, oh, a rider. I think it was him. I think she was waiting for him, but I don't know. I was really glad they didn't have Sam Gilly. I just got beat up sex. Can we just put that on the table? Remember when Sam was like deeply broken and that was the yes, first time he slept with first. Gilly? Yeah. I was so glad that didn't happen in the hold of the ship or wherever the hell he was. I did like Amelia Clark's bit of acting in that scene. I thought <gasps> yeah. it was very, very good. Kit Harrington, I felt like could have done better. Well, he's he's once and possibly twice undead, so I'm willing to forgive him some uh, <laughs> some lack of emotion. <laughs> like, I did like the incest nod though, where she was like, "My brother calls me Danny. You don't want to keep company with him, do you?" And I'm like, "No, he's just your nephew. That would be gross." <laughs> to me, that was such a like f you to George because like she refers to herself as Danny in the book. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, <sighs> yeah. Shut up. It was a weird presumption for him. I thought, I don't know, it was weird that he was, like, testing it out just to see how she, it was just, it was a strange moment. Yeah, it, it really took me out of it, to mm -hmm. be honest. So next week, if, let's say, Cersei uses a scorpion and does, like, kill, uh, like, Rhaegal or something. No, no. the chance? See, here's how I'm like, this is how I would like to see it go down, where she's rigged that shit with wildfire. She sits there like, yeah, I'm going to listen to you. Come closer. And then Jamie is like full blown Balancar on her. <gasps> and then in front of everyone, kills the queen, so becomes the queen slayer. But like it redeems him for what he did to Eris. Cause like that's exactly why he did that. But no one was around to see it. Interesting. And so maybe now that like all the lords of Westeros are gathered, like he can finally find a way. And like they'll call him Queen Slayer, but they'll call it him that, not mocking or like judging, but like as an honor. And then if one of the dragons falls, like Melisandra, fresh off the boat from Volantis, Ex Machina? Yeah. Could she use the Lord of Light to raise a dragon? Is she maybe gathering other priests and priestesses in there? That would be interesting. Our powers combined. Ah, I am we shall reunite this fire. I don't know. I like the Valencar thing, although I question how much less likely they've made that with the whole pregnancy storyline. Because he, he seemed so moved by that. You know what I'm, I'm blocking out. Because <laughs> I, think, I think she really is pregnant, right? I mean, like, I don't think she's... Ugh. I don't think she's going to stay there's, pregnant. I don't there's think... a theory flying around that it's actually Euron's, though. Ew. You can't get pregnant doing the stuff he was talking about. <laughs> Well, in this world. <laughs> right. I <laughs> uh, love it. <laughs> all right. Well, thanks for joining us all for another episode of Wolfcast. And stay tuned for next week. Very special episode as we discuss our thoughts on the finale. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Sarah. Thanks, Glenn. We love you. Bye. Bye. Bye.
is Euron, by the way? I mean, really? Like, what is he? I mean, I don't know. It's just weird that we haven't had mention or... I assume he's just off making Yara into another reek, but... He's like, hey, baby, I want to show you this move. It's called the Westerosi Cup Purse. <laughs> called the Dragon Binder. <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like Grey Worm and Oh, yeah, where the fuck is Grey Worm? Well, they're going to be there next week, but I feel like they're definitely at risk of some dangers. Ugh. Can we just agree that Euron probably blasts, was it Imagine Dragons, the lever, before every battle? Like, I just feel like he turns shit up to 11 and just, like, rocks out to it. The so. guy on Gay of Thrones. It's this brilliant, like, funnier die sketch thing. Um, so his his uh, nomenclature for Euron is Jared let himself go. <gasps> oh, no. And I was like, well, I saw it as more like a Stuart Townsend deal, but yeah, that works too. Yeah. <laughs> See, whereas every time I see so, him, I think, um, like, Fat Pacey from Dawson's Creek. Oh, my God. Yes. Right? Yeah. He is. Yeah. Yes. I'm in it for the long haul, but only because I'm a book reader. Sue and I were talking about, like, if we weren't book readers, we'd probably definitely be done by now. Which I'm so disappointed with this season. I know I've been, like, super, super critical. But what I want, like, the listeners to understand is that in like season five came around and people were so critical of it and they were so upset with the Dorn thing and ripping it apart. And then season six was a lot more the same, especially with the Ramsey Sansa stuff. And I, and I kept going like, well, give them another chance. Like this is the first couple of seasons. They're like completely off book. They're on their own. Like it'll get better. They're just figuring it out and kind of giving the benefit of the doubt. And then especially now that like the board has been cleared by the stuff that happened in the Septa Baylor, there's less things to focus on. I feel like it should be written better. It, the show should be better by now, and it's not. It's totally inferior writing to the source material, and it's just I've, I'm so disappointed because I, I feel like I've championed them for like two solid seasons while a lot of other people were upset, and now we've kind of flipped where like a lot of the people in particular I'm thinking about are on dragon cast and they're just kind of like whatever at this point <laughs> like sure <laughs> and and they've found a way to enjoy it and i'm like now i'm getting really frustrated and i feel like i'm being that constantly criticizing it person you know and finding it hard to find things i, I actually like i watched for what five years i guess before I read the books like I, I didn't um, I, you know, sort of fastidiously avoided all discussion of the books and things like that until um, John's untimely demise. And then I was like, OK, well, I can't I can't spoil anything anymore. So I read all the books and um, it, I feel like that that foray into it has really um, left me with like much more of an appreciation of the show. And I think that the show at this point in the places that I am disappointed with it. I'm disappointed with it because they are not picking up on their own potential, like that they're laying the groundwork for things that could be so cool and could be so, you know, um, well motivated and well thought out. And they're just falling flat of those, I feel like, again and again. And so it really, for me, it doesn't have anything to do with the books, which is kind of a crazy thing to say, especially <laughs> especially on here. But it's... Um, it's much more of like a recognizing or realizing their own potential within the world that they've created. And I feel like the level to which, or the, the 
instances in which they're doing a disservice to their own groundwork and their own um, potential setups for things and their own very finely crafted characterizations for things that came from the books and things that they edited and, and the way that they set themselves on this track. Um, it's, it's almost like they don't have respect for their own show anymore, which is, is just very disappointing because, you know, there are still these moments that, you know, I'm laughing or, I mean, I was, I was crying when Viserion died and it's just like, I still get, I still get so wound up during the show that my baby like kicks the crap out of me while we're watching you. <laughs> like, uh, like you clearly had an adrenaline rush on like like during the the field of fire or whatever. Like when Daenerys, like the poor baby was in there, just like what the fuck is happening out there? <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, I'm sorry, I know mommy doesn't usually get this excited about stuff, but it's really cool, and you'll be able to watch it when you're 18, you know. But. Um, but so I, I definitely am still like very, very emotionally invested. Um, but I feel like the, the intellectual investment is, um, you know, they, they kind of had me at hello and I feel like they're not cashing in on the kind of love that I want to give to them as far as the character development is going. Like the spectacle for sure. And, you know, I'm still like desperate to watch it each week and and I I'm sure I will be until the end but um but there is a a shading to it that I feel like has fallen by the wayside that just kind of makes me a little bit sad I'm pregnant by the way I don't just let a baby watch Game of Thrones (laughs) for anybody who's listening it's like oh my god she watches Game of Thrones with her baby um I do want to say though like as far as being the younger sister um, so I'm the youngest in my family and my middle sister, uh, we're Irish twins are like one grade apart. And she was always like little miss fucking perfect, <laughs> did whatever mom and dad told her to do. You know, she was the golden child. We had this running joke in our family that she was the Jesus one and I was the evil one. Like they didn't <laughs> say it to me. I said it to them like. You know, because I was always getting in trouble for shit and I was a little sneak and, uh, you know, stuff and always the wild, more tomboy one. And um, Meg wasn't really like, you know, girly girl, but she get she got good grades and, you know, she fit into the box of society and stuff. And I didn't. And I would get so mad at her because she was so much better than me in a lot of ways. And she was very we're both very intelligent. She was always more well-read and more educated than I was. And, you know, when you're siblings and you grow up and have rivalries and stuff, um, I always looked at her as being so condescending to me and and belittling toward me. And as an adult, I reflect on it and go like, well, she really wasn't, you know, but you don't Mm -hmm. know that when you're a kid. And, um, And I would terrorize her I'm ashamed to say but I I had physical strength that she never had and I mean to this day like I can take care of myself I know like Brazilian jiu-jitsu I've been in fights I'm not afraid of people when I get you know out in public I will stab you if I have to and she's (gasps) Hannah's a faceless man confirmed (laughs) I am (laughs) Um, well actually I am (laughs) Are. Oh my god. I've never seen it. <laughs> <laughs> um 
Um, you know, where like I used to use that to to intimidate her when I couldn't outmatch her with wits or words. I would like push her against the wall and like put the fear of God in her physically, you know. And so it just smacked of truth between them in this scene. Like I've kind of been there with my older sister who was the conventionally good one, you know, mm-hmm. and like now, now that I've grown up what we both have it's like we were both good children we were just very different and we both had great qualities and instead of like teaming up we were always at each other at each other's throats until one of us moved out you know what I mean and like now we're really close and now I'll use my power to protect her you know like don't fuck with my sister yeah um, Hannah where you separated from your sister for six years and then once you were reunited decided to threaten to kill her um no I mean I was separated from her for a long time she moved away to New York and went to school oh yeah when she would come home I'd be like I miss you you know and then not exactly and you're going back to school (laughs) like but I think I think the key to what you were saying there is when we became adults, we realized that we had different strengths of it. And I, I think that's what's so frustrating to me at this point is that I, I I was led perhaps, you know, overly optimistically, but I felt like I was led by the show to understand that they had both grown up, that Sansa had grown up in this mm-hmm. very kind of sociopolitical way. Um, and then Arya had grown up in this very kind of like mature, level-headed, you know, don't immediately go to violence way. And then as soon as they come together, they both revert back to this sibling. Well, she was like, you were probably off knitting, you know? And I'm like, really? Like, that's where we are still? I mean, so like one other thing that I want to say that, uh, and again, about that is like, yeah, you think they're growing up or they're supposed to be. Um, The other thing is like, my sisters and I, my mom used to say like, you can get three more different people in a room than her three girls. Like, and we are all pretty close, but we are, are so different that it's not like, let's hang out every day. We could never do that. Like if we spend too much time together, we're going to start fighting because we just all have such different things that make us tick. But when my mom died, you know, she said, I, I want you guys to stay close. I don't want you to fight about anything or drift apart. And like when we were going through her things, my dad's like, I don't care what you do with anything. It's all yours as far as I'm concerned. Um, But I will not have you guys fighting over any of it. And like, we were like, no, we don't want to fight either. So when it came to stuff of my mom's, it's like, well, this is really important to me with her because of this. And I would really like it. But if one of you two feels more strongly, like just take it then, you know, as Mm -hmm. long as you're going to take care of it and treasure it. That's all like we care about. And so I think especially with those two, like having their parents gone, you think it would bring them even more close. It's like, you're all I have left. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's a there's a sense of perspective on their circumstances and their kind of larger story um, and and their experiences that I feel like is being almost artificially extracted from the story at this point in order to Unless, that's unless exactly there is some kind of, I've, yeah, unless there is some kind of payoff. Yeah, unless there is a secret plan. Mm. And that's, that's exactly, it's like, if I don't see that, I'm going to be extra angry because I feel like it's just such a square peg in a round hole. They're totally forcing mm-hmm. this conflict. It doesn't make any character sense. There's, it's a forced motive. Mm. You know, and I just, it, it all is ringing really false to me. Mm-hmm. I don't know where anybody is anymore. 
I'm still here. Oh, you got, hi. Glenn seems to have hung up. <laughs> He's just like, nah, oh, hi. F this. Um, did you have anything that you desperately wanted to get off your chest? I feel like we're just kind of rambling at this point, but. Not really. No? Okay. Um, do you have anything that you like desperately want to see happen before the end of the season? Or are you just along for the ride? Just do along for the ride. I have very mixed feelings towards the show. This season or just in general? Just in general. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Out of the stuff they create, they have their... They sometimes have decent moments. For example, um, the Lime in season one that they made up. For which the one? The God of Death one. <gasps> yeah. Um, the Lime in season one. That was quite a decent one. Not today. Yeah. Yeah, that was good. Yeah, I just I feel like they started so, out as big fans of the books, and then, I don't know, mm. yeah. Now they want to make Confederate. I feel like they just skimmed the last two books. They just read the cliff notes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Never mind, I lost it. Totally lost it.